0: Welcome to the Professional WordPress Podcast. I'm Doug.
1: And I'm David. And this is episode one how to be a better WordPress consultant. Since this is our first episode, we're just going to give you a quick introduction of who we are and why we feel like we're qualified to talk about WordPress.
0: My main product is Efficient WP, which is a fully hosted and managed uh, solution for WordPress websites. It includes all the updates, maintenance. It's on a fast server and a fully packaged solution. A new product, which I'm working on, is a kind of an offshoot of Efficient WP, and it's called Pod WP. It's specifically designed for podcast websites.
1: And you're also doing a lot of client work, right?
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to scale it back, but I, I still have uh, some client work at the moment, which. You know, it, Hopefully, if, if this other stuff takes off, then I, I can scale, scale the client work back.
1: How long have you been using WordPress?
0: It's been over five years now. Wow. Yeah.
1: Efficient WP, it is different from a normal host such as Bluehost or WP Engine. How exactly is it different? Yeah,
0: the, the biggest difference is that uh, the updates... And the maintenance are taken care of, and the fixes related to those uh, so one of one of the big problems with with most of these hosts is that uh you have theme and plugin updates that may break your site, and mm-hmm. then it's up to you or you hire a developer to go and fix that and so what I do with my platform is I take care of those fixes and I take uh preventative measures to prevent hopefully prevent those from even occurring on the first place on on the live site.
1: And so I'm David, and my business is Fat Cat Apps. And basically, this is a WordPress plugin shop. Right now, we've got one product. Our flagship product is called Easy Pricing Tables. And it makes it really easy to create those nice looking pricing tables um, that are useful if you have a product with multiple pricing tiers and you want to sell it on your website. We're also currently working on a couple other plugins, and I'm hoping to release some of those over the next couple of weeks or couple of months.
0: Yeah, and I can personally vouch for easy pricing tables. I use it on my website, and I also make it available on my platform.
1: Thanks, man. And I've been using WordPress as a user for probably four and a half years. I've been focusing on building a business on top of WordPress probably for the last like nine or ten months or so.
0: So we've got about uh, a decade of wordpress experience between us yeah <laughs>
1: we'll now move on to the core of the episode and the reason you in particular feel qualified to talk about this is because how many years have you been consulting
0: it's been uh it's been five years or so um wow so since, you've been actually consulting been doing, for five years wow. yeah full full time uh so i've gone through the ups and the downs <laughs> 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 basically uh you know I'll, I'll talk about what's worked for me and what what hasn't worked, so some things to avoid uh, the same mistakes that I've, I've made. So the first thing is when you're first negotiating and, and uh, talking about the project, uh, you want to listen to what the client wants, but you also want to figure out what they need. Um, a lot of the time, the client may think they want one thing, and it's really not the best thing for them. So try to uh, give some advice instead of just sticking with what they need in some cases you may uh, upsell and in other cases you may actually downsell like
1: i think that's one of the things where um you as a trust and consultant really can provide a lot of value um because when you go to odesk and you get somebody to slice your psd into wordpress theme or something like that you know those are technicians and they just you know they do exactly what you tell them but i think i think that's really where it's a Premium um, contractor, you can provide a lot of value by actually giving people advice. People, you know, yeah. non-technical folks are kind of they don't really know what they should be doing, and they're gonna really value your advice.
0: Yeah, that's it's actually a good uh, example. With the uh, PSD slicing, is uh, I'm currently working on a client project where there's about a dozen different uh, font sizes in the PSD, and uh, from a coding perspective, it's it's really a nightmare when you have uh-huh. you know a 22 pixel font and a 23 pixel and 24 pixel and right. um, you know in some cases you do need a, a, a range of font sizes but you don't need uh, 12 or 15 different font sizes if you were just doing PSD to WordPress you would make it exactly like that but it, it doesn't help for usability and consistency mm-hmm. and the the actual design too is, is not a best practice to have a lot of similar sizes so another thing you want to do is is to figure out if the project is a good fit both from your perspective and, and from the client's perspective and so first of all I'd start with if I can actually deliver on what the client needs um, do I have the expertise and the knowledge if they're asking for something that's outside of my skill set I have to decide if, if that's something that I want to learn for this client project or or if it's something that it's really best that I tell them that I, that I don't offer that
1: So and, would that be for example the client wanting a Joomla site
0: yeah, um, you know, basically any you know if they want me to work with a, a system other than WordPress, I, I I only do WordPress sites. My rationale is I'd rather be an expert in WordPress than mediocre at a at a whole bunch of different. Oh,
1: different absolutely! Points. I think that's another thing that allows you to charge more. Is there's a lot of mediocre for folks who can kind of do, you know, Java and C sharp and PHP and Joomla and WordPress, yeah. but they're not really good at anything. They're- yeah.
0: There's also uh, people who who will do your social media and your graphic design
1: and the seo and and the adverts exactly
0: (laughs) and you know while most of these things i have some knowledge of and i can i can do it to uh, a lot of them to to a decent extent they're not things that i'm expert at it's not really something i necessarily want to offer to my clients even though i can the other thing that that I usually do is to try to figure out if there's any warning signs that it's going to be a bad client. So, some of the things it's uh demanding everything right away. Uh especially oh, like like
1: immediate turnaround time yeah. like I need this right now.
0: Exactly. And urgent. Yeah. In in some cases, you know, there are urgent things, but when yeah. it's kind of like uh, you know, crying wolf if everything is urgent <laughs> with this client this is then, falling. then you you either you have to prioritize them over all the other clients or you just can't tell what things are actually important and if they're going to to call you on your personal uh phone line and and email you and um you know mm-hmm. post you know post on your facebook wall and all of this other stuff uh, oh. these these things uh you may not realize right away but definitely don't want clients that are uh too high maintenance
1: do you have any other examples, or have you had bad experiences with um, somebody like always asking for discounts and always trying to get get a yeah, cheaper deal? Yeah, that's,
0: that's that's a big warning sign. Is if if somebody uh, asks you for a discount before they've even started working for you, or even even later on. But if somebody comes to you and you know you give them your prices, and then they immediately just ask for twenty percent off, or or just you know without even putting out a number, just try to negotiate you down from from the beginning, Mm -hmm. it's usually a a sign that they don't value uh, your work and they'll always ask you for a discount later, um, whether or not you give in in the first place. So it's something that you have to, Mm -hmm. you have to think about. And when you're first starting out, you, you can't be as picky, but later on, as you get more clients and more experience, then you can, safely avoid some of these clients and one of the things i found is the more i say no to clients the more good clients magically appear to fill in that gap absolutely it's um it's something that makes doesn't really make a lot of sense but it just works out that way and you know i've never uh felt bad about Mm -hmm. turning down someone who i thought was a bad client
1: yeah i've had similar experiences too
0: the next thing would be to discuss the pricing and the timeline and the project scope. This is pretty important to establish early on in the process. Uh, You don't want any surprises uh, from either side. The client doesn't want an extra bill that they didn't expect. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't want uh, lots of small changes and uh, scope creep.
1: So how do you feel about hourly pricing versus fixed prices?
0: I'm a big fan of the fixed price, basically pricing on a project basis versus hourly. Um, oh
1: didn't you didn't you used to charge hourly like last year or so
0: yeah i, I used to do hourly and and I still uh-huh. do uh occasional hourly work when it's live and in person It's easy to track that way, but generally, my opinion with this is uh the better you are you know the higher the hourly rate is gonna be yeah, and from the client side is they're not really sure how long something's gonna take you and right it can really vary between providers. So you can have somebody really good charging $200 an hour Mm -hmm. and the project could take them 10 hours. And so it would be a $2,000 project. But then you may have somebody who isn't very good and maybe they charge $50 an hour. But if it takes them 50 hours to do the project, then that's actually more expensive. It's 2,500 for the project. If it takes them 50 hours versus 10 hours, the project's going to be done a lot later.
1: When you do fixed prices instead of hourly, you really, as, as you mentioned in this point, you really have to define the scope very, very well. Yeah. Um, I've once done a WordPress project where um, I quoted a fixed price and I was pretty new to doing those kind of projects. So I quoted a fixed price, and I thought that I had defined the scope very clearly, and it was just going to be like using a simple Vue theme and customizing a little bit of CSS. But somehow the client understood it completely differently, and they basically thought I was going to like create like custom post types and write some PHP and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And there was like a massive amount of scope creep, and I got really frustrated. So I think you really have to do a good job of understanding what the client needs and defining the scope very 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 clearly
0: yeah and you should also have something in, in your contract where uh, where you state specifically that things outside of the project scope are considered extra work and then mm-hmm. as soon as the client brings something like that up you should point it out before you go further uh, it's better to get in front of these things than to to have any kind of dispute later the next thing when uh, when getting hired is I always get the initial deposit first it's important that you actually get paid before you start I've I've usually been pretty good about this uh, about being insistent on getting paid first even occasionally it's I, I've made exceptions where I know the person and you know I just want to get started and maybe I've got some momentum it's uh, so do
1: you get 100% upfront
0: for smaller projects where I, I can get a good idea of like how long it's going to take and what's included with the project, mm-hmm. I usually do upfront.
1: I think that's another advantage as well of um, having fixed pricing and having productized services is that people are used to buying products and paying yeah. for them upfront, while hourly services are usually paid upon completion.
0: Yeah. The, the other thing is there's um, there's different models uh, that people use when when doing this kind of thing. Uh, a lot of times I see uh, 50% up front and then 50% on completion. Yep. And the big problem I see with that is uh, the project may never be completed. And then in which case yeah. you, that's 50% of the project that you don't see, uh, you may never see, or it may be a mm-hmm. long time before you see it. So establish a timeline. And what I like to do is, is when breaking up a, a bigger project, I would like to make sure that I'm never out for more than twenty five percent of the project so mm-hmm. if somebody doesn't want to pay like say it's a five thousand dollar project you know they probably don't want to pay five thousand dollars upfront before seeing any work so during the project, my general uh, rule of thumb is to try to under promise and over deliver basically what what I mean by this is um, you know you don't want to promise things that you can't do or promise unrealistic timelines and then disappoint the client you you want to set reasonable expectations that you think you can beat I'd i've really made this
1: mistake in the past where i would give very optimistic time frames as in i'm gonna get this done by the end of the week and then i wouldn't get it done and then it just kind of sucks and you kind of have to like follow up with the client and you're like ah sorry i wasn't able to yeah. do it um
0: on a similar note is is if you can go in it and you can do something, maybe make a few improvements. And you know, I like when there's small things, I like to do it for free and, and not charge for it. And the customer feels like they get added value versus you were to do only exactly what was inside the project. You know, there's some some clear things that you could have fixed and you just didn't because that's extra work and they didn't pay you for it. If you can kind of do a little more than is expected, this is going to go a long way towards your relationship with the client.
1: Going the extra mile, absolutely.
0: After the project, uh, I think it's important to establish a long-term relationship with your clients. Uh, you want to stay in touch, and if it makes sense to, to get them either on a retainer or some kind of recurring contract, whether it's maintenance or hosting, or just you know staying in touch if, if they need a new design or they need new work you want to be the one that they go to. This is pretty important, I think, because it's much harder to get work from a new client than to just get more work from an existing client. These days, uh, I get most of my clients from referrals, Mm -hmm. and it's uh, it's just better to have, have that relationship
1: yeah, it's this whole business principle of um, it's much easier to sell stuff to existing customers than to acquire new customers. It's easier for Apple to sell an iPad to you if you already own an iPhone and then MacBook Pro than if you are a Windows guy. And also for me with Fat Cat Apps right now, I'm working on new products and part of the reason I'm doing that is I've been building up a customer base with easy pricing tables and I think a lot of those people obviously are demonstrated to be purchases of premium WordPress plugins so it should be much easier to sell them additional products than to acquire new customers from scratch.
0: Yeah and they also they know your work so yes uh, if they're happy with your plugin they're probably going to be happy with your other plugins too.
1: Yeah and also for me as somebody who works a lot with contractors is I prefer those ongoing relationships as well. I've been building up a little bit of a contractor Rolodex where you know based on what kind of tasks I Need to get done, I would have like certain guys for certain types of tasks. And whenever I've got those kind of projects, I contact my existing contractors because it's much easier than to hire somebody
0: new. The last point to, to bring up here is uh, getting referrals. So I've been doing this for over five years. And at this point, I, I get all of my clients from referrals. The people who I've, I've done work for, I've generally, I think, done a good job for them. And they refer new business to me. I don't have to go out and do cold calls um, to try to sell new site designs to people that that I don't even know. It's much easier for me uh, because it's a very passive uh, way of of marketing. And the likelihood of of getting one of those clients is uh, much higher than I found that referrals carry much more weight because uh, the client is basically vouching for you.
1: And so you also have to keep in mind that somebody who refers you to others it's not necessarily just because they like you although that might also be involved but if somebody shares something with other people no matter if it's um, a contractor recommendation or a blog post on twitter they want to look good in the eyes of their friends you have to keep in mind that if you do a good job and you know people start referring you they do refer you because it makes them look good to their friends to refer you who's doing quality work
0: you do want to put some testimonials on your website and this is something that I didn't do for a long time. Uh, I did, never got around to it, but it, it's something I would have done much earlier. To just ask your your clients for testimonials, and you know, one of the the nice things for for them is, you know, you can put their photo and you can link to their website. And some people like to show off their designs. A lot of people are, are very happy to to give you a testimonial.
1: We've talked about a lot of tips of how to find the right clients and how to make sure the projects go well. Um, But what if you're at square one, what if you're just starting out and you haven't even gotten one client, you've got like decent, you know, PHP and CSS and WordPress skills and you want to get some clients, how would you get started?
0: First, I I would start with an easy project and then work my way up from there. But basically, you have to start building a portfolio of work and Mm -hmm. you, you could either do some work for free or you can you can just do stuff on on, uh, on a very low cost basis and you would want to increase that fairly quickly. Um but if you were just starting out you may have to do do something for free, in which case, you know, I would I would do something either for friends and family, yeah. Uh where you wouldn't uh you wouldn't necessarily feel bad about uh doing the work for free and mm-hmm. maybe look for somebody who's not uh, Terribly picky about the work. You do want to get that first project done, and on your portfolio to get more paid work and increase your rate. So,
1: would you would you sign up to ODesk or would you go to networking events or like
0: what would you do? Yeah, so uh, so I got started with uh, with networking events, and mm-hmm. I didn't even know about ODesk at the time. Maybe I would have tried it uh, to get some experience. But I think whichever way you, you get started, it's probably not going to be your main channel of, uh, of marketing and sales later on, but it's a good way to get that, those first clients. Um, and I found that talking with people in person helps a lot for for people to trust you.
1: And as we've said before, once you start getting those first clients and, uh, you start building up a portfolio, you should definitely create a website
0: Yes, uh, especially if you're doing website design. Uh, I've I know a few people who who do website design and development that <laughs> but don't, don't even have, have website. a website, and yeah. uh, it's <laughs> I still don't understand it. <laughs> mm.
1: uh, yeah, I think I think that's a fundamental requirement. I don't think that I as a client would trust somebody to build a website for me if he doesn't have his own website. It's just yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those things.
0: And it's also important to have a good website uh, to make sure it looks decent. And in some cases, maybe even just using a template is fine. But, you know, get <laughs> have a website if you're yeah. going to sell that.
1: Okay, so I think we've shared plenty of tips um, about how to get hired for WordPress development work in this episode. If you... Like this episode you can leave us a five-star review on itunes if you didn't like this episode you can send us an email (laughs) at (laughs) doug at wpcast.fm or david at wpcast.fm
0: you can find the show notes for this episode at wpcast.fm slash contracting thanks for listening
1: talk to you next time